Mark Cuban. How you do anything is how you do everything. If you're not, if you don't pay attention to detail on the little things, you're not going to be in the habit of paying attention to detail for the big things. Ken Griffey Jr. Hey, he wears his hat backwards. Well, I wear my hat backwards because my dad had a fro and I wanted to wear his hat. And if I put his hat on at age six and, you know, he's got a eight and a half and I got like a little five, it's not going to really stay on my head. Jeannie Buss. Thank you for having me. What a nice turnout. It's good to see everybody. John Smoltz. Is if you don't have the imagination and the willingness to fail or not being afraid to fail, I don't think you can be truly great. Candace Parker. I have so much hope for this generation coming up that have grown up with women in sports, in leadership roles, on television, speaking about sports, speaking knowledgeably about sports. Paul Gasol. To me, all the work that I've done, all the humanitarian work that I've done has always given me great perspective, has allowed me to keep my feet on the ground and uh, has really put and reminded me what's truly important. Damian Lillard. That was for Seattle. (laughs) (laughs) Just to name a few. Welcome to Sports Business Radio. Now, here's Brian Berger. Thanks for joining us on this week's edition of Sports Business Radio, powered by Molka Sports. Find them online at M-A-L-K-A Sports.com. A great guest lined up for you this week. Emmanuel Ocho is the New York Times bestselling author. He's the host of Uncomfortable Conversations with a Black Man. He has a two-book deal with Oprah Winfrey and her publishing company. His groundbreaking online series to drive meaningful dialogue around racial insensitivity and ignorance launched in June 2020 with more than 80 million views to date. Emmanuel is a Fox Sports analyst and television personality. He co-hosts Speak for Yourself on FS1. He also has hosted The Bachelor after the final rose. His new book, Uncomfortable Conversations with a Black Boy, is out this week online and in bookstores everywhere. Emmanuel is one of the hardest working people I know. His star has risen greatly in the past year. I'm excited to have him join us on Sports Business Radio this week. I'm joined by executive producer Brian Griggs. Griggs, how are you? Doing great. And just a riveting interview with Emmanuel. I mean, he's got so much to say. He's just doing so much good stuff on the uh, the racial front. So uh, exciting stuff. Great books, great show, very busy guy, and uh, just a fun interview. Well, I'll tell you what, if you're an executive in your company or you're in HR and you're wondering how to handle diversity, equity, and inclusion. This is a must-listen-to interview. Emmanuel has some really good advice. All right, let's get to the main headline of the week. Griggs, the NFL draft took place. Trevor Lawrence, the number one pick, as most people expected. Coverage of the drafts, first round on ABC, ESPN, and the NFL Network drew a combined audience, 12.52 million viewers on Thursday night. That's about 2 million more than ABC's Academy Awards telecast on Sunday about a week ago. So this is according to The Hollywood Reporter. Uh, Good ratings for the draft. Not as good as last year when there was an all-time high. Remember, last year it was all virtual and people were sitting at home with not much to watch on TV in the way of sports. So that had the all-time high for first-round coverage. But this year was really good ratings for the NFL And by the way, Griggs, the NFL announced afterwards the 2022 NFL draft will take place in Las Vegas. You may remember Peter O'Reilly from the NFL being on Sports Business Radio hinting at the fact that that was going to happen earlier this year. But Griggs, how'd you like the draft? Yeah, I thought it was great. I mean, the NFL just, they package it so well. It's a fun, entertaining 
you know, a couple of days, especially that first round. I mean, yeah, it was fun this year, kind of having the mix of virtual with in-person. You still had some guys that didn't come, some people that were there. So I thought it was well done. It's always a fun show. And I am really looking forward to Vegas next year. That'll be real fun. And some interesting product placement during the draft. Remember last year uh, that kind of started when we were in people's homes you know, people have Pizza Hut boxes laying around or, you know, <laughs> Pepsi or they've just got interesting product placement in their house. So that was interesting to kind of watch and, and see who had what going on in their house. I thought one of the, the most bold moves of the draft was the Chicago Bears trading up from 20 to 11 to take Justin Fields. I thought it was a good trade. They need a quarterback. They need a face of their franchise. And you know, Justin Fields, I think, is the guy that could do it. So uh, I know the city of Chicago was excited to get Justin Fields. He's going to wear number one. They sold a bunch of Justin Fields jerseys after that pick. But uh, that was one of the more surprising picks of the draft. Yeah, I agree. And I think, you know, I mean, the NFL, it, QB is where it's at. You've got to have a quarterback that can run the show, a quarterback that can be your franchise player. We see it more and more with, you know, the young stars coming out. And uh, yeah, I think it's it was a good move for Chicago. City's got to be behind it. They've been looking for that guy for a while. So uh, I think a good move for them. And yeah, like you said, more one of the more surprising ones. But uh, I mean, Jacksonville with Trevor Lawrence, I think that's just going to be an awesome fit, too. Well, and then how about the Patriots? So they sit back. They don't move up. A lot of people, including me, I tweeted out. I'm like, they better move up and get Justin Fields. After the 10th pick, I was like, someone's going to take Justin Fields here. So you better move up. Well, they didn't move up and they just waited and waited and waited. And Mac Jones from Alabama landed on their lap at number 15. And, you know, if you look back, I think it's six Alabama players uh, have been drafted by the Patriots in the last few years. So Nick Saban and Bill Belichick have a close relationship and Alabama players have done well for the Patriots. So maybe that was their guy all along, but the Patriots are back in business with a quarterback of the future with Mac Jones. And that's going to be interesting to see with Josh McDaniels, how that works out in new England. But you know, they haven't Bill Belichick had never taken a quarterback in the first round in his entire career. So it tells you what he thinks of Mac Jones uh, he says Cam Newton's still the quarterback for now, but you'd have to think Mac Jones is the quarterback of the future. Oh, yeah, hands down. And I think like just that it's interesting, like you said, that they haven't picked a quarterback. That's surprising, but he's they're very smart. I mean, six Alabama players, they keep choosing the ones that are winning. Alabama's obviously winning the championship, you know, almost every year, if not every other year. So good to pick from Alabama, and it fell right in their laps. Mac Jones, I think, will be a great fit. Well, and the team that gets the award for the executives that are either going to look like geniuses or they'll be fired in two years, that goes to the San Francisco 49ers. They took Trey Lance from North Dakota State with the third pick. Everyone wondered, including us, who are the Niners going to take with the third pick? Some people thought it would be Mac Jones, others Justin Fields. Some had speculated on Trey Lance, who only played 17 college football games but tested off the charts with IQ and with some of his physical skills. So again, this is going to be the kind of move that people look back on and go, man, these guys just nailed it. You know, Trey Lance only played 17 games in college, but they saw something in him. They traded a bunch of picks to get up to number three to get him. And it worked out really well, or it's going to be the opposite. Oh my God. They traded away our picks of the future for a guy who turned out to be a bust. So it was a high risk potentially high reward pick. And I have the Niners circled on my list is let's check in and see how they're doing in two years. And uh, if those guys still have their jobs, John Lynch and uh, Kyle Shanahan. Yeah. Surprising pick for sure. And like you said, 17 games that kids only played on a, you know, non big time school. So it's not when you saw a bunch, but obviously they were watching him and they see something and you know, what's the future of Jimmy G and the uh, 49ers offense. We'll see. 
So five quarterbacks total taken in the first round of the NFL draft. All right, coming up next, Emmanuel Acho. His star has risen as much as anyone I know in all of the media in the last year. You're going to enjoy this conversation. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. This segment of Sports Business Radio is brought to you by Power Up Premium Trail Mix. Forget the stale trail mixes with peanuts, raisins, and junk candy. Power Up is a trail mix brand that specially curates their mixes fresh with good-for-you quality ingredients that power you up with nutrients your body needs and flavors your taste buds crave. These premium trail mixes come in several varieties and can be eaten on the go wherever the day takes you. Fuel up like sports icons Lindsey Horan and the Washington Capitals. And find Power Up Nationwide at retailers, on Amazon, and at PowerUpSnacks.com. My guest is Emmanuel Acho. He is a New York Times bestselling author and the host of Uncomfortable Conversations with a Black Man, his groundbreaking online series to drive meaningful dialogue around racial insensitivity and ignorance launched in June of 2020 with more than 80 million views to date. Emmanuel is a Fox Sports analyst and television personality. He co-hosts Speak for Yourself on FS1. He has a master's degree in sports psychology from the University of Texas. You can find more about him online at uncomfortableconvos.com or follow him on Twitter at Emmanuel Acho. Emmanuel, how are you? What's up, my man? What's up? It's good to see you. Man, your star has just taken off in the last year, and I'm so happy for you because I know how hard you work and... uh, this is great times for you, but I, I really have taken notice of everything you're doing. And, and the first question I wanted to ask you is, how do you approach discussing a sensitive topic? Because you've done such a great job talking about topics that a lot of us are afraid to talk about. It's a really good question, Brian. I think the first thing I try to do is stand in the other person's shoes, right? Like the, the very first thing when talking about anything controversial is really let me stand on both sides of the fence and try to speak on behalf of both parties. Typically, whether it's uh, an issue about men and women, well, let me try to put myself in the shoes of a woman. If an issue about black versus white, well, let me try to put myself in the shoes of a a white person. If it's an issue about anti-Semitism, well, let me try to put myself in the shoes of one of my Jewish brothers and sisters. Let me try to stand in someone else's shoes. We are intrinsically selfish. We are inherently selfish people who are always concerned, first and foremost, with self. So before I ever dare speak on a topic, I try to not think about myself, but let me think about the other party. And what do they have at play? What do they have at stake? What are their fears? What are their freedoms? And then that's how I navigate my dialogue. The other thing I marvel at is your ability to go from talking about sports on FS1 to talking to the masses about topics like diversity, equity, and inclusion, and social justice. How do you do that? Uh, A gift from God, first and foremost. I think, um, honestly, I, I found my calling, you know, about a year ago and just kind of realizing that my calling was being a bridge for racial reconciliation while my career is in sports. But I figured out, like, I've tried to figure out the nuance of being an orator, the nuance of being a communicator. 
And even when I talk about sports, Brian, if I'm being real, I try to always talk macro about life before I bring it into the micro, which is sports. Not everybody cares about sports, but everybody cares about life. So even on Speak For Yourself, my sports show, when I'm talking about an issue, whether it be um, the discrepancy in March Madness between the men's uh, weight room and the women's weight room, that's a life issue. That's a gender equality issue. There are always issues that may appear to be sports related, but you can go bigger picture. And so I'm always trying to stretch myself. Don't just take the lazy route and talk about sports, but make the macro the micro and vice versa. What responsibility do companies and other organizations have to train and educate people in areas of diversity, equity, and inclusion? The utmost, I believe to whom much is given, much is required. And that's in an individual level for Emmanuel Acho is now I've been given a lot. And I think obviously that speaks on a company level as well, to whom much is given, much is required. Companies are in a position of leadership. Whether they like it or not, they are in a position of leadership. And so rather than being, as I put it, rather than being the thermometer, be the thermostat, right? A thermostat, it changes the temperature in the room. The thermometer, it simply reads a temperature of the room. Companies have the ability to change the climate in our culture change the racial climate, change the diversity climate, change the sexist climate. Don't just read and assess the climate, but change the climate. And each company has an opportunity to do so first within their own organization, and then watch the domino effect and collateral damage of how their organization puts pressure on greater organizations and society at large. And so I believe companies have um, the utmost responsibility. Are you seeing progress? in the last year, since you really started speaking out on this more in the world at large, are you seeing progress? Of course, we're all seeing progress, I believe, but uh, we have to be cognizant of the deficit we're coming from. And so progress is great and it should be applauded, but I also believe that good is the enemy of great. And so let's not become complacent with good. We've seen some corporations go from, you know, 80-20 diversity to 70-30. That's progress. That's good. Um, but let's be great. They say the difference between ordinary and extraordinary is just that little bit of extra. And so we have to continue to do that little bit of extra so that we can be extraordinary as a society instead of just ordinary. I won't be so ignorant as to say we haven't seen any progress. We haven't seen any change. We've seen progress and change, in my opinion, in the hearts of people and in our society at large, but we have to keep going. In the corporate world, are you seeing any new and innovative practices in regards to social justice? You know what? I'll say new, but it's really not innovative <laughs> because nothing that I have submitted and nothing that corporations do is really all that novel or innovative. It's really just like, hey, you should listen to the, um, to the uh, minority groups in your company. I mean, it's not crazy. It's not some brilliant ideology. It's just like, you know what? If men dominate the industry, why don't we you know, spend one time a month, twice a month listening to the women that work here? If white people dominate the company, why don't we spend twice a month listening to their black brothers and sisters that work here and learning about their experiences? Um, I also think 
even the social media teams, which are typically the front facing aspects of a corporation, now they're becoming more diverse. Because if you're only running a tweet or an Instagram post through one set of eyeballs, then imagine how that might land. So I think those are the things we're starting to see. What advice would you give to anyone who wants to give voice to a cause that they care about, that they're passionate about, but may be hesitant about doing it? Do your research. The last thing you want to do is be loud and wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like there, ain't no, there ain't nothing worse, Brian, than being loud and wrong. And you just think you're right. And I said this on air <clears throat> the other day. The uninformed rarely realize they're uninformed because that's why they're uninformed, right? right? And so typically people will want to like go out and make a statement or go out and do this or say that. And it's like, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. Do your research first. Make sure you're accurate. In this day and age, so many people are delivering so much information. But never worry about being first. Be concerned with being right. And I put that out uh, several weeks ago in regards to some topic. I was like, I didn't care to be first. I just wanted to be accurate. Um, And so, man, do your research. Because here's the other thing. We also live in a very volatile society where even if your intention is pure, if your action is incorrect, you will face backlash, right? That's this new topic of cancel culture and more than cancel culture, really accountability. It it doesn't really matter about your intentions because our society hasn't hit a point of maturation to be able to properly decipher between intention and action. And as a result, we just cancel everybody, which I have an issue with. So because of that, make sure you don't be wrong. Brian, all my conversations, whether uncomfortable conversations with a black man or uncomfortable conversations with a black boy, which I'm sure we'll discuss, this conversation is like walking a tightrope. Because I am very cognizant of one wrong stat, one wrong fact, one insincere opinion, being too delayed on a topic, and all of a sudden, everybody will be coming for my head. So do your research and be accurate. A year ago, a lot of people, a lot of companies on social media, they put the little black square out there. Everyone was doing it. Are we going back and keeping score of the companies who did that and may not be practicing any better than they were before. What are we doing here, Emmanuel? Well, first, man, let me tell on myself. I never posted a black square. I didn't do it. And I didn't because I said, look, if all I'm going to do is post a black square to lend my contribution to racial inequality and social injustice, then shame on me. No. If I feel the need to post a black square in addition, okay, we can have that conversation. But like, what did posting a black square accomplish, right? The goal obviously was to raise awareness, but so many people, you know, posting their beach pics on Monday, then it was blackout Tuesday, then back to their beach pics on Wednesday. And I'm just like, what was the reason? And so I'm not keeping score of these companies because honestly, I don't care about your black squares. I care about your commitment. I don't care about your Instagram posts, right? Like I want to see commitment. I don't want to see a caption. That's what I posted on MLK Day this year. Let's see your commitment, people. I don't care about captions. Let's see your dedicated resources in your corporation, 
you are dedicated resources with your companies, your dedicated resources in your household. All right. So we mentioned earlier, uncomfortable conversations with a black man, huge success, 80 million views online. Now you've got uncomfortable conversations with a black boy coming out the book. Why the follow up? Why the book? What, what led you to do this? We're currently in a society where we're all trying to cut down the branches of racism. We are trying to uh, pluck the leaves of racial inequality. But I've thought to myself, why don't we just address the roots? Why don't we just fix the soil? And the roots and the soil are children. The roots and the soil are our youth. So rather than sitting here and trying to ax off the trees and trying to pluck the leaves, I'm like, wait a second. Ladies, gentlemen, let's just fix the roots. Because Brian, when I was a child, I often heard, Emmanuel, you don't even talk like you're black. Emmanuel, you don't even dress like you're black. Emmanuel, you're not that black. To the point where Brian, I, I had an identity crisis. I was like, I mean, I'm dark skinned. And every time I look into the mirror, I look pretty black, but maybe I'm not black. I, I went to an affluent school, predominantly white. They didn't mean anything by it, but they were unintentionally malicious. They were killing me emotionally, involuntarily. Brian, just like we have levels of murder within our judicial system, first degree, second degree, third degree, there are levels of racism, and we all need to understand that. First degree murder, premeditated. Second degree murder, it's a crime of passion. Then you move down the rungs of murder and you get to involuntary manslaughter. It was not intentional, but it still led to death. Same thing with racism. First degree, I intentionally, maliciously say the N-word, owning slaves. Second degree, it's what we saw with the murder of George Floyd. Then you move down the rungs to involuntary racism. Emmanuel, you're so smart for a black man. Well, Emmanuel, you sound too educated to be black. And so I wanted to dispel all these degrees of racism at a young age because typically it is racial ignorance that matures and becomes racism. So let's dispel racial ignorance while it's in the embryonic stages with our youth before it can ever give growth into racism. So I got to ask, why uncomfortable conversation with a black boy? Why not with white boys too? Because if the racism is starting in the soil, aren't white boys responsible for that as well? Yeah. So the, the, the title obviously is kind of a play on work. I, and as you'll see when the, when, um, no, as you'll see in, in, in the book cover, which I posted, y'all can see it on my social medias, you'll see a younger picture of Emmanuel Acho, right? The picture on the front is supposed to be kind of young me, but on the back, you'll actually see a young picture of me. I am the figurative black boy having this uncomfortable conversation with my counterparts. So you are having the uncomfortable conversation with the younger version of Emmanuel Acho, the black boy, as I was and am the black man who you are having the uncomfortable conversation with. I'm just preemptively having this uncomfortable dialogue, if you will, um, with the readers. Got it. I think it's great. I can't wait to read it Um, again. Get it on Amazon.com and at bookstores today. Um, I want to talk to you about a few other things that you've been working on. The Bachelor. I mean, you've really crossed over now. Now you're in the mainstream, man. How did that come about? And have you been overwhelmed by it? Because Bachelor Nation is, they're feverish. Yo, Bachelor Nation 
is more passionate than any sports fan base out there. Um, well, I'll start with have I been overwhelmed? No, thankfully I've been really prepped for this moment, right? I faced a ton of backlash, a ton in filling in for Chris Harrison. Like some people just hated me because I was a new guy. Um, but you're used to that, right? Like whenever you give a sports take, 50% of people will love you and 50% of people will hate you. Go on my timeline at this very moment that you all are watching or listening to this conversation and somebody will say, Emmanuel, you're a genius. And somebody will say, Emmanuel, you're an idiot based on the exact same thought process. Um, so I, I haven't been overwhelmed by it. How did it come about? Man, I just think my life this past year has really been a matter of the man meeting the moment. Uncomfortable conversations, I met this moment of racial insensitivity. And I think everything I went through in life met, bred me for this moment. You go to a predominantly white school, but then you play football in predominantly black culture, but you're Nigerian American. So your parents come to America with a blank canvas and they get, and everything is brushed onto the canvas of your own life. White culture, black culture, Nigerian culture, all the cultures, so you can understand it. Um, and so now the bachelor meets this moment of the first black bachelor, 25 seasons, Matt James. He picks a woman, the love of his life in that moment, Rachel Kirkconnell, but then racially insensitive photos surface of her. So now Matt's in a dilemma. I'm a black man who's professed my love for this white woman. However, this white woman has racially insensitive photos leak about her since I professed my love for her and the whole world has now seen it. Help. Um, and then in the midst of that, the host, Chris Harrison, he steps into hot water and here I am. So it was really just the man meeting the moment and I hope I honored Bachelor Nation and really just did the world proud. No, I think you're doing a great job. Um, speaking of the man meeting the moment, you're working with one of the media goats, Oprah. I mean, if you can sign a book deal with just about anyone, Oprah's got to be at the top of the list for most people. You've got a two book deal with the media goat, Oprah. What's it been like working with her? Man, it's, it's almost like anything. When you are trying to <clears throat> become great at something, you look at those who came before you. I played linebacker in the National Football League. I played at the University of Texas prior to playing in the National Football League. The reason I wore number 11 in high school is my high school football uniform was because there was a linebacker at the University of Texas, a great linebacker named Derek Johnson, who wore number 11. And I watched YouTube videos of Derek Johnson teaching myself how to play the position. Again, my parents born and raised in Nigeria. Football to them meant a black and white circular object, obviously being soccer. So now talking media, Oprah's a phenom. Oprah is arguably or inarguably the best to ever do it, at least the conversational piece. And so who do I look to? I look to her and thankfully I have a friend in her. True story, before my conversation with Matt and Rachel hosting The Bachelor, I went back early 2000s and watched clip of Oprah and Tom Cruise. Remember Tom Cruise jumping on the couch professing his love to whom I believe was yes. Katie Holmes at the time? Yeah. I was thinking, Brian, I said, how in the world did Oprah get Tom Cruise, Mr. Mission Impossible himself, Tom Cruise, to jump on a couch? Right. So just like game film, I, true story, went back and watched that whole interview. And I said, what did she ask? How did she ask it? What was her delivery? What were her follow-ups? How did she get him there? And so having Oprah as a advisor and as a friend for someone who was trying to ascend to those heights in the industry, uh, it couldn't be more meaningful. True or false, you have also received phone calls or a phone call from former President Barack Obama. <laughs> um, 
It's true-ish. Okay. <laughs> so I, I received um, a call and email from his team. Um, as Barack Obama has so many amazing things going on, former President Obama, and he has an incredible new podcast going on right now with Bruce Springsteen. And so um, he had, their team had reached out kind of to engage with former President Obama on that podcast. He ends up answering one of my questions. I very simply asked, hey, what's the cure for racism in your mind? If you had one magic cure, one fanciful elixir, what would it be? Um, and he actually responded, specifically to me saying my name and all that. So if you would have told me I'd hear from Oprah, Roger Goodell, Matthew McConaughey, former President Obama in the last nine months, I would have called you crazy. That's amazing. And again, you work as hard as anyone I've ever known, uh, both you know in football and in business and in life. So I'm so happy for your success. Uh, speak for yourself on FS1. It started off as one hour. Now it's two hours. You guys look like you're having a lot of fun on there, including sometimes with my friend Rick Buecher. Slick Rick. Um, speak for yourself. I think it is a sports show like no other, um, meaning you're going to get a ton of debates on other sports shows. And some other sports shows, you'll get obviously a lot of opinions. But our show, we go deeper, not necessarily wider. And so you got Marcellus Wiley, a Columbia grad who played in the NFL for 10 years. Then you have myself, a four-year NFL veteran who has two degrees with a master's in sports psychology. So you really just have a lot of well thought out and thorough opinions and dialogue that doesn't focus on being combative, but rather nuanced. We want to give you the details and the layers. We want to peel back layers like an onion because there's so many different ways and intricacies of looking at sports and how it relates to life itself. A couple more questions before I let you go. Uh, I saw the video of you at Warm My Heart. You surprising your dad, your 70-year-old dad with a car for his birthday. I think all of us dream about doing something like that for our parents. Uh, did it live up to what you hoped it would be that moment? Dude, amazing. Um, honestly, like you work so hard in life to be able to give to those whom you love. It could be your father, your mother, your children, your spouse, whoever. But like, I don't do all this work, Brian, like for me. People think just because just you're doing a good thing does not mean it's not taxing. So everybody, oh, uncomfortable conversations. Like, yeah, but I burst my vocal cords and couldn't talk for a week because I was speaking so much about racial reconciliation. So just because you're doing a good thing doesn't mean it's not taxing. And so all of the vexation I've dealt with and the incredibly taxing journey this has been is really made worth it when you can like bless your father who did so much for you um, by buying him, you know, the, the Range Rover of his dream. So it was a blessing. That's amazing. All right. Last question. If I'm a CEO of a sports team or of any business, uh, if I'm in HR and I'm listening to this right now and our organization is struggling with diversity, equity and inclusion, we don't know how to start the conversation. What's your advice? Um, my advice is do not assume that the blind can lead the blind and understand that you don't know what you do not know. So if you are a white CEO, a white male CEO, and you're trying to have conversations about diversity and inclusion, my advice is instantly talk to women and talk to people of color. You can't fix a problem you don't know exists, and you can't fix a problem that you don't know the intricacies of, and you can't serve a people if you don't know the people whom you are trying to serve. 
So instantly diversify your thought process so that you can do the most good for the most people. There's nothing worse than like an ill-advised action. So advise yourself before you act. Emmanuel Ocho, you can find him online, uncomfortableconvos.com. Follow him on Twitter, Emmanuel Ocho. Get his new book, Uncomfortable Conversations with a Black Boy in bookstores everywhere. I'm so pleased with your success and proud of you and uh, keep up the great work. You're a, you're a real bright voice in this world of ours. My brother. Thanks so much, man. Good to see you. Thank you so much, Emmanuel. You got it. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Hey, everyone. Sports Business Radio host Brian Berger here. The wait is finally over. Sports Business Radio merchandise has finally arrived. We're working with our friends at the Parish Project to provide you with the opportunity to buy really quality sports business radio merchandise. We've started with long sleeve t-shirts and short sleeve t-shirts. They come in five different colors each, a variety of sizes. I love my shirts. And soon we're going to have hoodies to offer as well, hooded sweatshirts. I know a lot of you are wearing hooded sweatshirts while you're working from home these days. But whether you're working out, just lounging around the house, or doing whatever you're doing, you can rock Sports Business Radio merchandise. I think you're going to love it. Go to parishproject.com. That's P-A-R-I-S-H project.com. Parishproject.com. And you can order your Sports Business Radio merchandise today. We appreciate your support. And uh, send us your best picture. Tweet it to us at SB Radio. Or also you can get us on Instagram at Sports Business Radio. We look forward to seeing you rocking that Sports Business Radio merchandise. Well, that's it for this edition of Sports Business Radio. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks to our show staff, Brian Griggs and Josh Blank. And thanks to our partner, Molka Sports, for powering Sports Business Radio Learn more about them online at molkasports.com. That's M-A-L-K-A sports.com. For Brian Griggs, I'm Brian Berger. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you soon right here on Sports Business Radio. This and every SBR podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and your favorite listening app. Follow Sports Business Radio on Facebook, Twitter at SB Radio, Instagram at Sports Business Radio, and online at sportsbusinessradio.com. Sports Business Radio is produced by Brian Griggs and Griggs Productions. GriggsProductions.com.